0: Cigar City, oh, the guy yeah. from Oh, I love Cigar City. And it's called the Florida Man. Oh yeah, yeah, I had that. It's <laughs> That's <laughs> That's smooth, man. It's just smooth. <laughs> no hangover. Two, three, they'll sneak up on you. Bam! Oh shit.
1: <laughs> These are the tales of baseball past, as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off diamond moments. Memories of personal fandom catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol. We do the work. You tell the story. These are The Basis Stories.
0: I'm Alex Contreras. I'm going to talk to you about the 2003 Florida Marlins. Where do I start? How about that offseason, huh? The Marlins were looking for key pieces, looking at it at the season. Going into the season, nobody would bet that the Fish were going to win the World Series. Not even myself. You know, the last time we saw them win was in 97, and we were a long way from that team. The 97 team, we can say we, we pulled out the wallet, we spent the big bucks, we got some key free agents, and it ultimately helped us win the fastest World Series at the time and make fall history. That being said, 2003 was a whole different monster. We had just uh, we were doing an owner transition. John Henry had just purchased the Boston Red Sox. So our owner had to give us away practically to Jeffrey, Jeffrey Loria, the owner of the Montreal Expos, who were on the brink of being extinct, who are now the Washington Nationals. So I don't know if that was a, a, a blessing or a curse, but damn, we got Loria and um <laughs> to to start off to the, the 2003 season you know um the Marlins went ahead and traded away Charles Johnson we traded away Preston Preston Wilson we got a Juan Pierre some guy named Juan Pierre who turned out to be our center fielder um who would lead the league in in stolen bases and feel our hearts out there at pro players uh JP quickly became a fan favorite because of speed as electricity being a catalyst for the lineup um, but you know, there's still some pieces there that we weren't fully convinced on. You know, uh, we we signed Todd Hollingsworth. Todd Hollingsworth is a, a a cool major league baseball player. You know, he's not a superstar, so to speak. But we had him uh, playing for us. Uh, we had a, a manager that really didn't call too much of your attention. You know, Jeff Torborg, who ultimately ended up going 16 and 22 before the Marlins put the plug on him, and one of the when You know what? I had credited Loria for only two good moves. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to give him three good moves because he brought back Trader Jack, Jack McKeon. And Jack McKeon, man, holy cow. This guy was exactly what the Florida Marlins needed. He was an old school mentality guy, cigar smoking, no, no, no hairs in his tongue. He would keep it a hundo, be straight blunt, and tell everybody in the clubhouse how he saw it whether he was right or wrong and they were like hey this guy's really old school mentality but he didn't give a fuck. he would tell you how it is so it was good to to see jack come over take the reins and ultimately he went 75 and 49. you know that that's a big ass turn that's a I, I'm, I'm bad at math i don't know if that's a 180 or a 360 or whatever it is but <laughs> you get the point you get the point of what i'm trying to tell you here um, sounds right yeah <laughs> uh recalling the team like without trying to cheat you know, we, we, we had Derek Lee at first base, Luis Castillo at second. We had Alex Gonzalez. Shout out to Alex Gonzalez, who never want to go glove. Damn, he fucking deserved it. Yeah. We had Mike Lowe at third base. Um, Perry Hill was the infield coach. Shout out to Perry, and who was a magician. He does marvels with all the infielders he gets a, a hold of. Uh, in the outfield, we had, like I said, we had Holly. We had uh, JP uh, in right field uh we had juan Carnacion. people forget about juan Encarnacion, man It was a solid guy with a good glove nice bat ultimately uh, his career ended many years later because he got hit by a pitch in the face and i believe he was a, a, a cardinal, wasn't he pat yeah he was a cardinal he got uh he was standing on the on deck circle and, and took a
2: took a foul ball of the eye and it was never the same it was just just a brutally sad ending to his i mean he had a pretty solid career as he said that's yeah, like was, an impossible angle too. I, so like, I know. It's, it's terrible. It's just terrible.
0: He was uh he was one of the key key guys offensively also for the 2003 Marlins team. A lot of people forget about it, but you know, he didn't have IPOC numbers when it came to home runs. Uh he was under 20 home runs. I think he had like maybe 19 or 18 or something like that. But he had a lot of RBIs. I think uh he had maybe 80 85 plus 90 RBIs. And, damn, that's pretty damn good for a guy that was batting 6th or 7th for you. You know, he would do the job. He was a professional uh, uh, a professional hitter, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the Marlins, you know, they had a couple of rookies down in the minors. Uh, the rookies that came out and Solar our hearts and Miguel Cabrera. He turned out to be I've heard uh, of arguably <laughs> arguably the greatest Marlin ever. You know, um, everybody in Detroit says, hey, we got Mickey. Mickey lucked out and he he won the, the triple crown out here in Detroit. He's the King Tiger. That's cool, but he never won a World Series with y'all, so whatever, man. Y'all can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um then, then we were lucky enough to get blessed with a left-handed pitcher in Dontrell Willis, who is straight electric D train. I was like, What's happened? Nickname is the D-train, right? But Don Trell, man, Don Trell made you realize he was the DJ, man. He wasn't playing around. He was throwing the gas. He was throwing one-hitters. He was dominating the Mets. Wait, was, you know what the Mets stand for, right? What? You tell us. That my entire team sucks. And I'm not talking <laughs> about the Marlins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so, so, just like recapping that whole team, man, like – all right. So at the time, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let me look at these numbers. Let me go ahead and cheat here. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, we had like a, a cool pitching staff. We had a young guy named Josh Beckett who was wearing number 61 the, the year before. And this year they decided, Hey, you know what, we're gonna give you 21. It's like, man, 21's a big number for, a, for a young kid, you know, like, oh, with a great number comes great responsibility. You gonna be able to handle it, Josh. Damn, he did. He had a nice curveball. He had a, a zip to his fast. And Josh Beckett, obviously, undoubtedly, was an anchor of that rotation. But a lot of people about that. that was my number two. It was Carl Pavano. Oh, yeah. Carl Pavano, bro. Carl Pavano was a stud. And, like, not just don't, don't just go off of his stats. He went 12 and 13, right? He had a sub 500 record. But the guy, like, he just it just clicked summer after the all-star break, it just clicked. Like he was like, yo, Beckett's bringing it. Brad Penny's bringing it. We didn't have AJ Burnett with us. AJ Burnett was a, a key piece for us too. He, he went down to an injury, believe we he went down to the Tommy John. Um, but yeah, we had lost, we had lost AJ Burnett, but we had a guy like Mark Redman, you know what I'm saying? To come in and, and take that spot in the rotation. Ultimately, bro, I was so happy to, to look at the rotation we had. We had Pavani, Beckett, Willis, uh, Redmond, you know. And, and we had two Redmonds at the time. We had Mike Redmond as well, the catcher. So, like, you would hear the fans going, blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
3: just
0: a bunch of Redmonds everywhere, man, you know.
3: Um, I'm going to stop you there. What what were your, what were your thoughts on the uh, the Beckett soul patch? Kind of disgusting, right? <laughs> he looked like a little like a little chipmunk
0: <laughs> out there in Boston, right? The Boston yeah. thing. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really I, like, I always rooted for, for, for Beckett, you know, even when we went to Boston, I knew he was really going to turn it up to another level because he was going to have that constant offense. And, and you knew that Boston was going to be a that was going to embrace him. So I was really happy to see him go there, even though it kind of sucked as a Marlins fantasy, year star pitcher, the guy dominated the Yankees, like I could name the Red Sox for going out and getting him. And like, The Marlins thought that they they, they did the the Red Sox a favor by throwing in on Mike Lowell and said, well, you know, they they thought they were saving themselves a headache from like, hey, let's get rid of Lowell because we're paying him a lot of money. He didn't really have a good year. He went to Boston and just started peppering off the green monster and look at him. They love him in Boston, Mikey Lowell, man. So what's not to love? He had that great defense. He had that great bat. I was so happy to see his his career uh, resurrect, you know what I'm saying, so to speak, out in Boston and – and rightfully so, you know, um, shout out to Boston for sending us Hanley at the time. Hanley turned out to be a, a great offensive all-star player. He was a juggernaut guy, a lot of speed. Uh, his first game as a Marlin ever. I remember he hit a triple. First at bat, leadoff, boom, just hit one into the gap. And it was very exciting to see. All, ultimately, Hanley, what killed him was his uh, his attitude. Yeah. He resurrected
3: he resurrected that in Boston at the end too when he came back. I saw so this is sidetracked, but I saw Hanley in double A, like when he was coming up. They got the Sox double A's in Portland. He had like he had like two home runs and a triple, like when he was and he was like the one of the top five like prospects of baseball at the time. And I was like, Oh, this is this is gonna be good. And then he goes <laughs> he ends up going to the Marlins and like crushing there. Um so I'm happy that he had a couple awesome seasons at the end with the Sox. Uh, and then decided to like not play at the at the end of his career. And I think he still lives down there. I, I could be wrong, but I think he still lives in Miami. I, I could definitely be wrong on that.
0: I uh, I'm not sure where he lives. I'm not looking to go knock on his door or anything like that. He, would, he, mm. he his attitude kind of went south here in Miami. So like <laughs> one of the things that bothered me was that Hanley was a guy that had all the unlimited potential of the world. But it just turned into a clubhouse cancer. Like, ever since he got here, like, instead of embracing the opportunity that the Marlins traded for you, they're trying to build their whole team around you, why don't you just embrace and be the star of the franchise, be the staple of the franchise? Nah, he was just thinking all the time, I want to go to Boston. I want to go back to Boston. I want to go back to Boston. I want to go back. Well, fuck it. You went back to Boston at the end of your career, and then you were doing good. The Red Sox, I think they were, like, in first place, if I'm not mistaken, and they still cut him loose. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't tell you something about his attitude, I don't know what will. Um, but anyway, let me go back to my 2003 Marlins, man. This oh, is about to feel good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh man, um, I could tell you about pieces that we traded for during the season that helped us become championship contenders. Oh, yeah, one of the key guys that made a lot of people happy to see back undoubtedly was Jeff Conan. We called Baltimore, or it was just hey, listen, we need Conan back. Conine wasn't having a, a stellar season, no, he was far from it, he was having a, a below average season with Baltimore. But the Marlins made a move, and they said, "Hey, let's go get this veteran guy because they needed somebody to be in the outfield." Um, they got him. Uh, we also traded for some guy named Uguet Urbina, We are our number one, <laughs> our number one, our number one draft pick, or I'm sorry, our, our top prospect. What to say? Our top prospect at the time was a first baseman, a left-handed first baseman, uh, called some guy named Adrian Gonzalez. And we ended up trading him away for Geth Rubina, who would just come over and help us secure a World Series for half a season, a, a, a rental, so to speak. But damn, that rental made us feel good. Uh, that rental helped us get that World Series Championship trophy in the car and go celebrate. And sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to sacrifice it because if you look at it in the long run, a lot of these prospects don't pan out. You know, like it's easy to say for the Marlins, like, yeah, we traded away Christian Yelich and we got four or five, six players. And, none of those guys have panned out. No disrespect to Jordan Yamamoto, who's with a different organization now. Monte Harrison, he doesn't get enough opportunities, but when he does, he's, like, really late on the fastballs. Isan Diaz is like, God, I'm going to give him one more opportunity, Mm -hmm. one more season before I throw the flag on him. You know, so it's like, you don't know. You you can't always hit on these prospects, and you're not going to always get a Hanley Ramirez, and when you do, you nothing's guaranteed that he's going to have that good-ass attitude. For sure. Um... What can I tell you that, that that the Marlins bullpen we had guys like uh, Nate Bump, right? I don't know where Nate Bump was from, but I was just like, he sounded like he was like from the UK or Australia. Like Nate's mate. Nate's on the bump, mate, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nate would go out there, and I remember young, like he would be this this blonde guy and like with a hat, and he had the little curls come out, and like all right, bumps on, and like he would bring his fastball. Another guy that we traded for was uh Chad Fox who was a Chicago Cub like, on the mound with a nice, uh, he had a little uh, little lock with a beard going on. Uh, Blaine Neal, Rick Helling. We got Rick Helling from the Texas Rangers. I was like, oh, all right, why do we get Rick Helling? I think we got Rick Helling because of Pudge Rodriguez. Pudge knows him because of uh, from his days in Texas. So that was pretty cool. Um, Besides that, man, like we didn't really have like guys that you were like, whoa, dude, this guy, yeah, we didn't have a lights out guy. Our closer before we traded for Ugeth Urbina was Braden Looper. And Braden Looper, like, he had a cool name. Hey, Looper's on the mound, but damn, he'd like to get two pieced before he even saved the game. <laughs> like the Mar- <laughs> the Marlins are winning the game, you know, it was a three to one ball game and we would win the game three to two and Fedo would be like, Ya pueden tragar Like which was basically would like, mean like y'all could finally like Swallow and let that settle in, man. Game's finally over. We got it in. you know. So, so yeah, Braden Looper was cool, but you didn't feel comfortable as a fan giving him the ball in the ninth inning. So I'm glad that the Marlins pulled the trigger and got an Ugueta Urbina. And that kind of s- signalized like they're going for it. You know, Ugueta Urbina wasn't a, a, a Mariano Rivera, so to speak, but he was doing his thing in Texas and Texas was a hitter's ballpark. So you knew if he got... Traded into a pitcher's ballpark, shit there was less room for error for him, and that's exactly what happened
3: is that around like when did you when did you know that this team was like something special or like or could make a run in the playoffs or even or even make the playoffs like what was was there any like either time or game or like month in particular that it
0: really like turned around for you man I mean ever since Jack came in, like I can't tell you that Jack brought in that mentality that was like, yeah, we're gonna go to the world Series but you felt the guys were turning tide. Like we got back to 500. Uh, I can't recall how many games in the 500 we were when we got rid of Torborg. it was 16 and 22. So seven games or 60, something like that. And then like, we felt like we were way out of it. Here, here comes Jack, here comes a couple of rookies, you know, and Dontrell and Miguel Cabrera, Miguel's first game, he hits a walk off home run, straight center field, that pro player stadium. Like that was crazy. Nobody would ever hit one to straight center and pro player. And, like, yet he did it against the Rays. Yeah, to show him again who really owns Florida. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Florida's real team, the Florida Marlins, baby. Oh, yeah. kind of bummed me out when we switched over to the Miami Marlins. But it, that's, it's all right, man. When, whenever the Rays get in my face and, like, oh, you guys don't know what it is to win. I was like, actually, you guys don't know what it is to win. Because we've gone to the World Series and we've won it. And you guys keep going and choking. So what you talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'd rather have World Series over win seasons so I can't believe that was 18 years ago, bro. 18 years ago I was ha- my 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 first my first nephew. I would I had him in my in my hands and we were jumping up and down watching the Marlins, you know what I'm saying, play and it was, was dope. If the if the National League Division Series didn't like make you a Marlins fan, damn, I don't know what did. You know, and then then we went to face the mighty Cubs and they had Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood, Dusty Baker, like damn, Tammy Sosa You know what I'm saying? I was like, holy cow, dude. How are we going to do it? And then, like, Luis Castillo hits one to the left field in between the foul line. And then here's Moises and Lou. Oh, shit, you like Moises because he was a former Marlin in 97, right? But then Moises jumped up. And then Bartman did what anybody else would have done and just took his hand out. And everybody, everything else is history, right? And I didn't like how Moises acted. And acted like, oh, I had the ball, I had the ball. Yeah, you had the ball, (laughs) whatever, dude. But you can't, like do that to a fan dog you know what i'm saying like anybody in their mama would have done that shit. If your mom would have done it. once she would have not gone off on her like that i understand you being upset but you can't blame bartman for everything else that happens to the to the cubs that you know what i'm saying they fell completely apart they're alex gonzalez i think it was alex s gonzalez yep he booted yep. he booted a couple balls you know what I'm saying? And I was like, that's right. We got the real Alex Gonzalez. Ha <laughs> you know ha. <what> <laughs> so it was good to see these guys like keep it together and keep fighting. Like we had a guy come off of our bench and you really had to like this Marlins bench. Uh, and back in 2003, we had guys like Lenny Harris, Mike Mordecai. Lenny Harris was a pinch hit leader in major league baseball at the time. Um, Mike Mordecai was just like five foot, remember, five foot, 10, five foot, eight, maybe too many, too many inches. But he was, like, 140 <laughs> pounds soaking wet. And this guy just stroked one off the wall in Wrigley Field. You know what I'm saying? He just ripped it. And, like, Jack McKean, they would look at Jack McKean crazy. to would be like, Jack, what are you going to do here? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm putting in Mordecai. Mordecai ain't playing like, a week. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So Mordecai go up there swing that shit. Bam, he hits it off the wall. And everybody was like, hey, he's a fucking genius. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, like, what we learned from Jack was that you got to go with your gut feeling. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of a lot of managers nowadays, like, they're too much into analytics and, and all this, like, stat cast, like, n- n- no disrespect to stat cast, and there's a lot of like, cool things that you can learn from the analytics and stuff, but, like, when you draw the line, too much is enough, dude. Like, too much is yeah. too much. Like, what the hell happened to the essence of baseball? Like, the other day I got frustrated with the Marlins because Don Mattingly, like, I like Don baseball, but sometimes he makes some boneheaded moves just like every manager does, you know? But it was like the Marlins were playing the Phillies, in a double game, uh, a double header, they suspended the game the night before because it rained. We, we, we resumed the game the next day at 1 o'clock, 10th inning, right? Ones um, were unable to score. Then here come the Phillies. And I don't know who got to third for the Phillies. There was only one out. Here comes JT Realmuto. What does the logic tell you? Logic tells you, walk JT, and let's try to go for the double play. Try to salvage the inning oh, then the excuse was, oh, I was just trying to save my bullpen arms for the next game. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, Jack McKinnon was trying to win every single game, yeah. and not just not just because it was Jack. Like, any manager in period, the, the point of the game is to win the game. And I just feel like, damn, dude, we're just throwing the flag like that? Like, there's no way that you can expect us to win anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I think it, it's it's a completely different game, and like, part of this going back and talking about, like, these old teams is like, it almost feels like a different sport a little bit. Just with like this was like, I mean, analytics was came into play and was like a thing and, and saber metrics. They didn't we didn't call it analytics. We called it saber metrics at the time and all that. Um, and it, and it's just a totally different game now. But back then it was like I think it, especially in the NL like the the lineup construction like for this team in general was just like I think. Uh, a mark of the times like just it was like the ideal lineup like you had power in there you had speed you had on base guys everyone like was able to like do their job. So I I think one thing that I really appreciate about this team is not only the like dominant pitching and you were missing Burnett uh, at the same time, but also just the lineup construction was like beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you, the way the lineup was constructed, it was based off the team's strengths, right? Like, what what do you do, right? You had your top two speedy guys at the top and Juan Pierre and Luis Castillo that you could always interchange one and two. Um, the, the the reason why, I, one of the things I, I'm going to sidetrack for a second. Yeah. But one of the guys that would really piss us off at the time during the playoff run was Luis Castillo, right? People would be like, why the fuck would you say Luis Castillo? Louis, bro, Louis was a great switch hitter. But sometimes when he would bat left-handed, he would be more of a slap Just slap it, and he would run, and that's it. We were spoiled enough to see him bat right-handed his natural side, and when he would bat right-handed, he would have some crazy pop. So he'd be like, yo, if you're not doing shit right now from the left-hand side, we're going to the playoffs, bro, just bat right-handed. <laughs> a, lot time, a lot of times, he's like, yo, let Louis just bat right-handed. Like, yeah, you, yo, just stick to the key, baby. My dad, I'll never, my, I'll never forget it. My dad... Uh, I was a kid, right? I was 13. And um, he was like, yeah, I went out to the club last night. He was like, yo, you know who I ran into? He's like, who'd you run into? I was like, I ran into Luis Castillo. I like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, he had bounces and everything on deck. I was like, what would you tell him? He's like, I didn't get to tell him much, but basically what I told him was, like, oye, Luis, ponte las pilas bateando. Like, basically like, hey, turn it up batting, dog. <laughs> <Turn it> up. <laughs> so I was like, damn, daddy, I'm glad you told him that shit. Cause somebody had to tell him. You <laughs> know <laughs> like he's, he's with his posse and shit they're all gonna tell him how oh, you're doing good you doing the like, hey hey louis turn it up baby <laughs> turn it up you know so, so that was pretty cool uh what i recall from the lineup so yeah we we said jp we said louis uh pudge rodriguez miguel cabrera mike lowell Derek lee juan encarnacion eighth would be alex gonzalez Right, Alex Gonzalez, known as a magician you know, on the field with the glove and everything, and anything additional that he would give you with the bat was great, and that's a perfect example. And, and when we faced the Yankees during the World Series, um, I recall it was I think it was Game Four that he hit the walk off home run. Yeah, right in extras, right right past the like right, he just barely like like an inch over the wall. You know what I'm saying? Nobody was expecting that, you know. But great, I'm glad that. Shout out to Jeff Weaver for serving that up.
2: Um, <laughs> So, Alex, um, uh, you,
0: you know, going into like
2: the all-star break, you guys are uh, the Braves are kind of running away with the division at the time. Right. Um, they, they had a pretty good year, but with where you guys stood at the all-star break. Did you, what was your kind of like mindset of the second half? Like, you
0: know, can we make the playoffs or just kind of happy to be there or, or what? Got to keep pushing, got to keep pushing, bro. There was no way in hell that we were going to catch the Atlanta Braves like the, the our, our eternal rivals, the nemesis, like the pitching staff that they had was redonkulous, bro. They had John Smoltz, Tom Gladman, Greg Maddox. Um, bro, they had Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones. They had Marcus Giles. They had uh, Javi Lopez. Dude, y'all remember Javi Lopez? Oh, yeah. That <laughs> motherfucker was nice, nice with the glove, <laughs> nice with the bat. Like, dude, that, that was a guy that I wish the Marlins would have signed one time in his life. Rafael Foucault. Oh, hell yeah. I remember Rafael Foucault. Rafael Foucault was a little bit kind of like, he would have took JP on, on uh, I would have put my money on JP still, but it would have been a good race between him and JP uh, to see who, who made it up fa- uh, faster around the bases. Foucault or JP, who you think?
2: Man, Cal used to be quick back in the day, yeah. I'll take you. I, I, I still think, I think Juan Pierre is faster, though. Yeah,
0: shout out to JP, baby. um so yeah man so just looking at it it was like all right so the NL East is always a monster I've always like historically the National League East has been maybe uh I would say one two or three in all the divisions in Major League Baseball right it's always the AL East is right there the NL West and the NL East and it would always like change positions year to year you know the the AL East is a monster. You got the mighty Yankees, the Boston Red Sox. You know the the Blue Jays were were something to deal with, a force to deal with during the those. Um, the Orioles were still trash, but you know, but uh, but and at least was another another monster. Like we had the, those pesky Mets. We had uh we had the Expos. The Expos were nice. They had uh Vlad Guerrero. You always used used to be scared to watch Vlad, and if you thought Vlad was scary, his son's even scarier because Vlad was like. You can get Vlad to chase outside the strike zone, but Vlad Jr. is not playing. He's just staying in the strike zone, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so so shout out side. shout out to the Toronto shout out to the Toronto Blue Jays who's drafted all second generational players, dude. Yep. They got Bo uh, oh, and shout out to them for sending us freaking uh Griffin Conine over to the Marlins. We got Mr. Marlins' son in Marlins organization who's also tearing it up right now as we speak. As the most home runs in the minor leagues. How about that? Oh wow. That's
2: awesome.
0: 24 home runs for Griffin Conine. Hopefully he can keep it going. He can make a little bit more contact. The reason why the Blue Jays were so willing to trade him to the Marlins was because he had a high strikeout percentage. The Marlins are looking to you know tweak that a little bit, help it get it down. But fuck it, if he's gonna be hitting 30, 40 bonds, fuck it, I'll take it. That's <laughs> the new that's the that's the new age baseball that we're living in, unfortunately. Yeah. Mark Mark Reynolds what had 250 strikeouts and he still hit 30 home runs. Mm hmm. Yeah. Does uh? does anything
2: does any like game or, or series or kind of stretch stick out to you in the second half of the season that kind of made you think like, oh, I think we're you know, I think we're going to I mean, not do this, but at least, you know, we're going to make the playoffs You're feeling good about it, you, you know, have high hopes.
0: Honestly, like last month of the season before we got into the playoffs, dude, it was a, it was. You try to get to every single game that you could. Like, I would tell my dad to stop on 8th Street on Calle Ocho, and I'd be like, Dad, hey, can we stop at the Marlins store? not oh, for once. Oh, I heard they got some new gear, but it was bullshit. I would use my allowance money to go buy a ticket or buy two. Like, if I bought two, I had enough to buy two. Be like, hey, Dad, I gotta get back in the car. Like, hey, Dad. So, <laughs> I got two tickets for the Marlins game. Oh, yeah? So, how are you gonna get out there? It's like, yeah. Oh. I got one ticket for me, and I was thinking I get you the other one. Like I got the other one for you if you want to go, right? My dad be like, oh, "Oh, all right," but who the hell's gonna pay for the gas and the snacks and all this shit inside? He's like, oh man, come on, man, I got the ticket. <laughs> 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 so like, meet me halfway, pops. Meet me halfway, and like we did that. Like it was great to to see that final month. Um, let me check it out. That final month, I remember we played the Phillies, we played the Mets, uh, we played the Braves, and that, that was like. A key stretch, because we were just facing NL East opponents. Uh, Looking back at the schedule, I remember going to a Montreal game. I remember going to a Mets game, Atlanta and Philadelphia. Coincidentally enough, those were like our last four series. And that's when you knew, all right, these guys got to get it together and like the, the pitching matchups that we would have, like it was pitching matchups that you didn't want, want to miss. Like we, we would have Penny on the mound, Willis on the mound, Beckett on the mound, Redmond on the mound. Like I would try to miss the Redmond ones. Cause it, I didn't, Redmond didn't really throw like gas like that. He was like upper 89, you know what I'm saying? Low nineties. And it was cool. He had the more wins on, on the staff at the time, but dude, you would rather go see Beckett or a Penny or a Dontrell Willis for sure. Yeah,
2: definitely. So,
0: definitely. It was, it was always cool to see these guys like, uh, I can't recall if they clinched it. They clinched the NL wild card. I can't recall if it was against the Mets or the Phillies. But damn, dude, it felt good just to do it against our rivals because all those guys in our in our in the NL East, yeah, it's competitive as hell. But I hate every single one of them, dude. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I can't stand the Phillies. I can't stand the Mets. I can't stand the Braves. Like, you got a certain point of respect for the Braves. The Expos don't bother me because they're long gone. But the damn Nats, you know what I'm saying? Those Washington Nationals now, right? Yeah. So I kind of I, I I feel like, damn you Nats, because if it weren't for the Nats or the Expos, whatever you want to call them, I don't think we would have inherited Loria. That's the only reason why I felt like a grudge towards him, I was like, damn it. We had to freaking inherit this asshole because he didn't want to be the owner of that team anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, uh, 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 going back to what I was telling you about September, like in September was like key moments for us to really embrace the team and see who's ready to turn it up a notch. Like Miguel Cabrera was already on some like a monstrous level. Like you were like, yo, dude, dude's got 12 home runs, 60 something RBIs. He only played half a season. He's gonna be an absolute savage next year. Dontrell Willis was turned the fuck up like he was doing it with a with a the, the pitching. He was swinging the stick like in NLDS. Remember he had a triple against the Dod- or not the Dodgers, the Giants. You know what I'm saying? Like you just love to see that enthusiasm. Like you thought you thought Donrell was John, uh, Juan Pierre running the bases, dude. He was like fucking just digging <laughs> it. <laughs> like you love to see him put, put his put his socks all the way up to his knees. It felt uh, good to see Willis strike out guys like Jim Tomey. Damn, the, the, the NL East was like a crazy monster. Like they had uh Jim Tomey was there. Who else was it in, in the in the, uh, uh, the, the, the catcher? Words. It started with an L. Damn it! What was the catcher's name? Labor. Damn it. It wasn't. It wasn't all great like that. But you know what I'm saying. It was just like key names that you remembered. It was like, all right, we got to beat the Phillies. We got to beat these Mets. We got to beat these guys if we really consider ourselves contenders. And like we did it. We were up for the challenge. And I, I knew that if we could get past these NLEs guys in the last month that we could be able to do anything in the playoffs. Because once the playoffs happen, anything can really happen. 97 showed us anything. Like We were ready for O three. 3 we And it's a win it, baby. Yeah, so what what were your thoughts like going into um, that first uh, the DS series? Well, man, we were facing the mighty San Francisco Giants. We were facing arguably the best player ever, Barry Bonds. They had uh, Jeff Kent, Russ Ortiz, uh, Jason Schmidt. Jason Schmidt was super nasty. Low ERA, lots of strikeouts. I was just like, dude, I don't know. The odds were really against us and we needed to see how we would respond. Like it wasn't easy for us to start. You know, we we started off the division series in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. you know, to go to San Francisco and to steal a game out there. It was huge. It was really huge for us to steal a game out there in San Francisco against, uh, I think, the, I think the Giants had the best team or had the best record in the National League that year, if I'm not mistaken. It they sounds had right. 100, Probably so, 101 yeah. wins, 100 and something wins. So to beat them, to be considered the underdog and beat them, like, as a Marlins fan, like, we've always been considered underdogs we always had that fighting fish mentality because we might be down, but we're not out. And, you know, that's what really got me to to love these Marlins more than that, I was at a, at a perfect age. Right. You're at that age where, you know, 13 years old and you want to look at every single stat. And when you're playing baseball games, you know, you're playing MLB All-Star. What was it called? Uh, was it called MLB All-Star? The one with the cover of Derek Jeter on it? Yeah, All-Star yeah, Baseball. It was All-Star baseball. baseball, yeah. All-Star Baseball, right? You would play it, and you listen to Bob Shepard and shit, and everybody would always play with the Yankees. Yeah. But I would, yeah. look, I would sit there, and I would be like, all right, how do I do this? So you'd go into the story mode, and you look at the GM stuff, and you'd be like – it was like the first time we would be like – be able to be a GM and trade guys, and guys would have like stats, and you'd be like, oh, he's an A, he's a C-, minus, he's a D. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, how do I make this team work? And like you would really – I. I would do it. I don't know about y'all, but I would do it. And I would just like look at the, the, the info, the stat infos on the players and be, all right, this guy's from uh, Maracay, Venezuela, and this guy's you know six 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 foot two, two hundred and seven pounds. All right, what's his you know what's his career numbers look like? like? You know what I'm saying? I would really look into like who the hell is Rick Helling, right? <laughs> I didn't know Rick Helling was like a Texas Ranger at the time. I didn't care about that. I only cared about my Florida Marlins, you know what I'm saying? anybody else in the NL East or in the NL, but this guy came from the American League. So it was like okay but so I'm like I would that was my anal- analytics so to speak right cuz it would show you like the red zones where the pitch guys not the pitch guys so it was kind of cool to embrace all that and and I always felt some type of way I'm going to I'm going to get off subject for a little bit I always felt some type of way that no Marlin ever made no freaking baseball game cover what's up with that
2: Yeah it's
3: <laughs> crazy <laughs> Two World Series no
0: no cover
2: Yeah you could have thrown Beckett on there you could have thrown you could have thrown I don't know Probably Cabrera, Miggy on there for sure. I,
0: Pudge Rodriguez, Mike yeah. Lowe, you know what I'm saying? Luis I don't know about Luis Castillo, but like those are guys that like don't disrespect to Luis Castillo. Like he won a gold glove and everything, but it wasn't like he was a house like he was a household name, but he wasn't known nationwide because Sports Center or ESPN or Baseball Tonight, that was my favorite sport or er, my favorite show, right? We're called Ravage. And, uh, uh, damn, uh, Peter Cammons, mm-hmm. all these guys, like, right? You would see the web gems. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, shit. And then <laughs> when you can see the Moreland, the odds were like, all right, here's a web gem nominee. Damn, all right, Alex Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. I want Pierre Dive. Oh, Mike Lowe. You know what I'm saying? You would be Derek Lee. Derek Lee. You know what I'm saying? Bro, we had that. You look at that infield. Derek Lee was a gold glover. luis Castillo was a gold glover. Mike Lowe was a gold glover. Pudge Rodriguez was a gold glover. Goddamn, man. You should have know. just gave one, you should gave one to Gonzo. They didn't give one to Alex Gonzalez because it turned out to be like a popularity contest, but that's that was a perfect example of pitching and defense wins championship.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: I remember skipping school. My parents were like, yo, you're not skipping school to go see the Marlins parade. I'm like, fuck not, I'm not. You crazy. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know the next time the Marlins going to win a World Series. Are you crazy? I'm still waiting on them to win the World Series, bro. I'm 31 right now. It's like, damn. 18 years feels so long ago. Holy cow! I look at my my nephew's 18 now. I'm like, hey, what's up, dog? He's like, hey, Uncle alex can I borrow your car? Fuck no, you can't borrow my car. <laughs> 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 but um, but yeah, man, like the the Marlins, the Florida Marlins. They're they're always gonna be the Florida Marlins to me in my heart, um, because you know they have a special connection to me and my family. My family moved here in 1992 from Caracas, Venezuela, and the Marlins came into existence in 1993. You know, my parents uh I remember they 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 gifted our friends of ours gifted a gifted me like a Yankees like shirt as a kid. And I was just look at it. A Yankee shirt, cool, right? And then the Marlins like, oh, we got the Marlins gear. We got this, we got the teal little teal hat little teal shirt. And I was like, fuck the Yankee shit. I'm all Portland <laughs> shit because it was like it just was a special connection because like I felt like I grew up with this team, you know, and the good times and the bad times. And I was able to see them win. I, I recall 1997 when we faced the Indians and we were celebrating at my at my uncle's house. I got a big family. Um, I got over like 50 something cousins, too many to remember everybody's name. But I remember we were just watching the game, game seven. And it was like me, and my, 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 my cousin, like we got the he's a year older than me. Bro, that's when we fell in love with baseball. That's when we fell in love with the Marlins. Like watching the whole World Series against the Indians. You know what I'm saying? Like we were like, "Oh, we got it. We got Bobby Bonilla, dog. We got Bobby Bonilla. We, we got uh, we got Dalton. We got like we had some Craig Council. Craig Council was like this weirdo, just batting all crazy. Like, what the fuck the type of batting stance this boy had But like, he turned out to be a World Series hero. Like, if it weren't for him, he hits that sack fly. Into the outfield, we don't score the game tying run. And coincidentally, he scores a game winning run. Who would have thought a guy from Colombia and Edgar Renneria would hit the game winning hit to win the oh, World yeah. Series? Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it I was like, damn, dude. So that's when it, I remember like me and my cousin would be like, let's go, Marlins. <laughs> right. And like our uncle, just to like bust our balls and fuck with us, he'd be like, Let's go Indians! I'm like nah, fuck out of here! Hey, no, no Indians, no Indian fans in the house. Get out of here, right? <laughs> but but it's just so amazing now that like I I get to share these experience now with my with my cousin. Like like not a lot of people have childhood friends that you keep throughout your whole life. But I got my cousin. Like yo, you remember when the fucking Mars when this shit in '97, dog? You know what I'm saying? Like we still talk about that shit. We talk about '03. You know what I'm saying? We were we were the type of fans that we would. Play video games and like, yeah, anybody else could pick the, the the juggernaut teams, the Dodgers, the the Yankees, you know, anybody else, the Cardinals, you know, but it was like, dude, we were always up for the challenge of picking the Marlins. We had a trash ass team, but we would fucking try to set the goal. of Hey, let's go and try to win this shit on the video game on video game mode. Let's do it. Legend. Ain't no fucking rookie mode. Legend mode. Let's turn it up. And we felt good knowing we had an AJ Burnett or a Beckett or whoever was on the mound. You know what I'm saying? We had Kevin Brown back in '97, dude. Kevin Brown had arguably one of the best pitching seasons in Major League history that one year. Yeah, yeah.
2: So got him that got him that big contract.
0: Then he Damn, punched, you, you hit then you punch he the dugout. <laughs> I fucking run. I'll run through a wall right now for the Marlins. Right now, every single day, man. Like, and people look at me crazy like, dog, they only won twice." You fucking Massachusetts this motherfucker, man. My- Hey, you just like to lose. (laughs) Like, nah, nobody likes to lose, dude. But like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like throw the flag on my family. Like, those are my boys. Like, if anything, like I try to go to Marlins Park or wherever the hell they play. Even if it's on the road, I go out and see them because like, dude, that's my, like, and so to speak, it's like my yoga. I try to go out there, have a beer, relax, root for my Marlins, yell it out. Like I'm on set as an assistant director and I always got to yell, roll audio, roll camera, quiet on the set, action, cut. Hey everybody, back to one. I got it. I always got to be yelling. I'm not really yelling. I tell them. I'm. I'm t- I tell everybody. I'm projecting, so y'all can fucking listen to me. <laughs> 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 but, but like when I'm not on the set, I need to. I find myself at this at park, and I'm yelling, and I'm like fucking motivating the crowd. I'm like, let's go, boy, let's, You know what I'm saying? Let be waves. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm in Atlanta and they're, they're doing the chop. Oh, 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 and I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> so so i so you don't get your ass beat, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so, so yeah, man, like I, I love this team. Like, uh, like I said before, I'll say it again. I try to transmit my love and my passion to this, this community, this organization, and like I just want people to feel how I feel about them. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy to. It's easy to say. It's not easy to do. Because like I said, yeah, it's a yoga. Like it's my yoga. I try to go and relax and shit. But I'm not gonna lie. I walk out that stadium pissed sometimes. Like, yeah, You really fucking gave the game away like that? Fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, yeah. People be like, yo, take it easy, dog. It's just a game. Don't take yourself in. Ah, fuck you mean? We gave the game away. We were all fucking four to one. What you mean? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So it's good. I think it's good to be that passionate too. Absolutely.
3: Is there, is there anything? Uh, I know we talked a little bit about the, uh, the Giants series, anything. Uh, and we talked a little bit about the Cubs too, but like, what are the, the biggest
0: like memories that pop out for you um, they, from the, from they, the Cubs series? Let me go before I jump into the Cubs series. My dad surprises the shit out of me. You know, I told the story about how I bought the ticket to go in the last month and the last month of the season to go check out the the Marlins games and stuff and like my pop surprised me when he was like yo i got tickets to the nlds and i was like oh shit, we're gonna go see one game?" like, "No, i got all the tickets i was like what you know what i'm saying so that was amazing to just that's something that i'll never forget ever in my life like i think that like really more than the 97 like yeah the 97 it made me a marlins fan it made me a baseball fan to watch the whole progress and how they o- overcame everything one dramatic game seven But being there is a whole different animal. Being there and watching them win comebacks, you know what I'm saying? Like play baseball the way it should be played. Aggressive Caribbean-style baseball, slapping runners, hitting and running, you know what I'm saying? Topo stealing, uh, bunts, the fucking bunt. Rest in peace that doesn't exist anymore. You know? Like, <laughs> dude, like we would see our pitches come up and like rake and hit and like dude, you wouldn't expect our pitcher to come up and hit a, a, a game winning double or a game winning triple or a go ahead and single. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the beauty of it and that that that's the essence of national league baseball. I think that's why so many people it took us so long to to sway away from the national league baseball style of play. So, um yeah, I remember when we, we played Barry Bonds and the Giants and once again, arguably the best play ever to witness like in person was that fucking throw from Conine. You know, here come the here come the Giants. JT Snow's on base. Um, damn, I can't recall who. Marquise Grissom, that's who it was. Marquise Grissom hit the ball into left field, and I don't know what the hell JT Snow was thinking. He might have thought he was Juan Pierre, but Jeff <laughs> Conine, like, Jeff Conine's not known as a goal-glover. He's not known as a defensive-type player but he just one-hopped it and made an absolute perfect one-bounce throw to Pudge Rodriguez. Pudge caught it. the Bino was in front of him. And just, like, as the ball hops into his glove, like, the whole – like, you just felt the whole stadium in unison just – and just, boom, like a train hit. <laughs> and then Pudge is like, I got it, I got it. <laughs> was great. Everybody jumping up and down, fucking beers. It. Just raining, just raining every raining beer everywhere, bro. The, the excitement, the joy that that shit brought to us, like to see the whole team just pile up on top of Pudge as he kept fucking moving the ball up and down. You know what I'm saying, like, dude, it felt so amazing. It felt so great. Like that, the 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 amp, the the hype was real. The hype was real at that moment, and we felt like, fuck, man, we're coming for the Cubs, and the Cubs are another obstacle. But who's to say we can't win this shit? And it's about catching fire at the right time. And I felt like. We were just getting on fire, man. That took us to Chicago. The Cubs came at us heavy. They were swinging. They were, I was like, oh, this shit might be over. They had, uh, I think it was Randall Simon. Mm-hmm. I think he was a, a first baseman. A bench hitter a bench. He, he used to rock the bench. He was really good for the Pirates in the starting lineup. But you come over to the Cubs. You got guys like er- uh, Ramos Ramirez. You got, uh, who else was that first base?
2: Randall Simon was the guy that hit the... Uh the 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 moonshot he hit the brewers mascot milwaukee with a bat that one time (laughs) (laughs) you
0: know what i'm saying it's like damn dude you're making me feel like a dinosaur you're making me feel like a dinosaur (laughs) i'm not not even looking at no stats or nothing it's just going off of my my dome right here my brain no you're good you're doing you're doing um, perfect but, yeah, man, it's just to, to watch that team, like, Sammy Sosa, bro, Sammy was an icon. Like everybody remembers Sa- Sammy going toe-to-toe with Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds for the home run titles every single year. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sweet, sweet swing in Sammy. Everybody would show up at number 21 at Marlins party. I'm like, look at the disrespect. The real 21's Josh Beckett, dog. What you talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then Beckett, like, he just turned, he just flipped the switch. You know, like, it was great. It was great to see Dontrell flip the switch. Miguel Cabrera turned the flip switch. Pudge flipped the switch. And, and you know what was so great about that team? Like, we had veteran players, veteran all-star players that took these young guys under their wing and helped them embrace, like, what they were going to become. Like, I remember Pudge Rodriguez would talk about Miguel Cabrera and be like, yo, this guy's going to be really, really good. You know, and one of the things I'll never forget that Miguel Cabrera had a nice swing coming out from the minors and like one day, Pudge was like, "Yo, you know what you should do? Like, it's cool how you hold the bat and everything, but you should line up your knut, like your inner because like, like Miguel would hold this shit, like he would really grip it. He's like, just trying to line up these knuckles right here, and just let that shit fly. Oh, best advice. Look at him now, bro. Like <laughs> Pudge, Pudge Rodriguez. Everybody knew at the time he was gonna the Hall of Famer. Nobody would like. Everybody was an optimist. I was an optimist. You know what I'm saying? Especially because Miguel Cabrera was a twenty year old kid coming from Venezuela like my, my 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 home country you know what I'm saying to, to see him be my favorite team like I would see him uh every off season in Venezuela. my parents would fly us to Caracas and I would be able to catch some Caribbean baseball some winter league baseball. Miguel Cabrera used to play for the Tigres Aragua. that's uh the town where my uh where my grandpa lives in Valencia, and dude he was known as Jose Miguel Cabrera that's his real name Jose Miguel Cabrera. But when yeah. he came over to when he came over to the MLB, they were like, "Yo, this Jose shit. Nah, man, you gotta sound a little bit more like different. Like you don't want to be Jose Cabrera. Jose Cabrera is regular. You you don't want to be Miggy. You know what I'm saying? Like and Miggy wasn't even a thing. Like he made the the nickname Miggy because they would call him Cabby. This fucking type of nickname is Cabby. You <laughs> know you know what I'm saying? But like, number twenty, he couldn't be twenty four at the time in, in Venezuela. He was twenty four, but he couldn't be twenty at the time because uh Tony Perez was was a big connection to the Marlins and Tony Perez would always wear number twenty four when, when he was on the Marlins, even though he wasn't part of the coaching staff or none of that. They just like out of respect. And I remember after his his rookie year after we won the World Series, Cabrera had the balls to go off to Tony and be like, yo, can I get number 24? And look at him now, look at him now.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. That's awesome. Rocking it. Rock it. Hell
0: awesome. yeah man people look at me with this jersey like yo, dog I'll buy that I'll be like, ah, forget about it. Shit not out for sale, bro. I, I I wear this shit like once or twice a year. Yeah. Same thing goes for my my Becca jersey. Like, damn bro, you got a Becca jersey? Like, yo, when I know I gotta bring my A game, I put that shit on. I feel like it's a <laughs> mental message. Like uh you remember the movie uh what was it? Uh Fever Pitch? yeah Yeah Everybody remembers Fever Pitch, bro. I'm like Jimmy Fallon, bro. like you know what I'm saying in that movie. Yeah, I got a shitload of Marlins jerseys on deck. Like I'll wear like a <laughs> I wear a Carlos Delgado jersey. Carlos Delgado only played for us for one year. And people like, hey, oh, hell dude, yeah. Bro. You got that OG, OG shit. I'm like, yeah, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember. You know what yeah. I'm saying? People, people remember the superstars, but they don't remember guys like Cody Ross. Remember Cody Ross?
3: Cody Ross. He he tore it up for the
0: uh, for the San Giants. Francisco Giants. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Little guy, 5'10". You know what I'm saying, bro? He was a monster. Corey fucking Ross. and uh, Cody Ross. And like, who would have thought? Look how small the world is and how shit comes full circle. Trevor <laughs> Rogers, Trevor Rogers our, our current pitcher, lieutenant pitcher, he's family members of Cody Ross. Oh, wow. I how crazy that. is that? That's wild. Crazy really? Wow. Cody, Cody used to work in the circus, bro. <laughs> he went from working in the circus to playing in a circus organization. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because of Lori and Samson, all right? I don't yeah. say that because of the current
3: um, yeah. So, so uh, you talked a little bit about the the Bartman game, but like game set, they still had another game after that. Like, what was game seven like for you,
0: um, bro? They just made they made the turn. Like after that Bartman incident, like they just knew they weren't gonna lose. It was Beckett took the ball again. Three days rest said Jack. Give me the ball. And Jack was like, yo, the look he had on his face. He looked like a fucking uh, 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 a pinball just drooling. Uh, yeah, I want the ball, I want the ball, I want the ball. That's what you want, dude. That's what you want from your ace. Like, last time I saw a guy really go off on his manager when the manager came and tried to pull him out the game, was Garrett Cole recently. Yeah. Bo- Boone was gonna take him out. Said, fuck no, you're not taking me out. I'm about to throw this complete game. What the fuck is wrong with you? i I need that in baseball. We need that in baseball now, bro. Like two too many of these guys nowadays are being freaking they're being babied like oh this guy can only five innings and gonna play six innings like what's up dude like let the kids play why do we say let the kids play if we're fucking babysitting them all the time like oh he can't he can't get past 90 pitches i remember this is this is tough right because like as a fan i always rock out my marlin stuff and then um I made a promise to myself after 2017, like after the whole Jose shit happened in 2016, 2017 was the last season I had season tickets. I made a promise to myself. I was like, I'm not buying no more season tickets. I'm just gonna go, I'm, I'm gonna be back in the stadium, but covering the team. I'm gonna be in the clubhouse talking to these guys. I'm gonna ask the hard nose questions. Bro, I'm like a fan turned reporter, right? And it only made sense because I'm a filmmaker. So I was like, bro, it can't be that hard for me to fucking just flip the switch. And sometimes I, I would find myself talking Don Mattingly and I'd be like, Donnie, you know, the guy, your starting pitcher was cruising for six innings, seven innings. He's had a good pitch count at 80, 85. Why not push him a little bit more? Oh, you know, there's really no reason to push him from there. You don't want him to get hurt. Fuck that, dude. Like, you had guys back in the day that throw 110, 120, 130 pitches. That's not what I'm saying to do with these guys. But then if he's at 80 pitches in the seventh inning... Shit, at least try to let him get to a hundred. Like, if he throws twenty pitches in the next inning, he's out of here. But if, who knows? In the next inning, he throws he throws six pitches and he gets out of it. Give him a fucking shot, dude. Give him a shot. It's a, it's incredible. I was talking about this the other day on on, on Marlins Barbecue, is my podcast on Spotify. By the way, uh, I was talking about how check it I'm out. To, yeah, plug it. Don Mattingly has been with the Marlins for seven years, and it has been four or five, there's only been a handful of complete games thrown during his tenure. That's ludicrous, dude. There used to be a time in, in, in baseball where guys would throw four or five alone. You know what I'm saying? It was like, damn, dude, like wh- where the hell is that type of baseball gone? Now everything's just uh, let the guy pitch five, six innings and let's go into the bullpen. You can't win anything without having a good bullpen. Dude, back in the day it was like he starting pitcher to come out. Until at least the closure, because that's the only guy that you could really trust. Right. So it was just like, damn, bro, I feel like we got to get over this whole bass sitting shit. Let these guys really play. At the end of the day, they're all athletes, too. And um, one other thing I, I, I recall, it's going off subject here, but talking about this whole babying pitcher shit. I remember when I was covering uh, the Marlins for the first time in spring training, I want to say it was in uh, 2018 twenty nineteen. It was right before this whole COVID shit happened. I had one season before the COVID thing happened where it was just full report and I was all access everywhere. And I, I remember I made the drive from Miami all the way to Orlando to go see the Marlins play the Braves at uh the, the ESPN Worldwide Complex of Sports. And I had the chance to have lunch with Don Sutton, Hall of Fame pitcher. And I always have this discussion with my cousin, my my childhood cousin that that saw me win the saw the Marlins win the World Series in '97 and were still lifelong fans. He, he was a pitcher and I was a position player. And every time that we would warm up, he would be zipping the ball to me. Like, dude, we're like 15 feet away. What the fuck are you zipping the ball for? But <laughs> chill out. Like, stretch out your shit. You know what I'm saying? Once we, once you get to like the furthest stretch out that you can from the foul line to like center field, you know what I'm saying? Then you can start zipping it on the way back in. That's my philosophy of how I would warm up my arm. So like, I would be like, yo, Don, Don Son, can you like, can you like, share your, your wealth with me like your mind. Can you tell me how how did you warm How did you do it back and how did the guys do it back in the day? Like when you warm up like the whole season and everything. Did you just zip the ball off the rip or did you like take your time slowly progress and then start zipping? Yo, Don Sutton was like, "Bro, I don't recall the last time somebody ever asked me that." And that's an amazing question because nowadays all these guys are getting freaking Tommy John surgery. All these guys are getting shoulder injuries, elbow injuries, and why is it? Because they're always on a freaking uh, a schedule, a pitching schedule. Oh, that they got to throw a certain amount of balls. Hell, they got to throw fast. They got to throw this. It's like Don Sutton told me basically like this. is like It's this simple, bro. As soon as the Major League Baseball season was over, I didn't pick a ball again. Not to mm-hmm. one week away from spring training. Like, damn, so you went from October all the way to February without picking a ball? Yep. And that's what made my career so longevity. Boom. Boom. Like, he blew my mind away. But at the same time, it can't blow your mind away because it's the fundamentals of baseball. Like, You're not a fucking machine. Your arm's not going to last forever. Yeah. Why do you think some of these late late bloomers like make it into the league? Because they don't have as many innings logged into their arm. They don't have Tommy John surgery. A lot of these kids nowadays are, oh, I get Tommy John. Oh, I'm good to go. Motherfuckers want to get Tommy John now because they think they're going to make it to the major leagues. Nah, bro. Nah, everybody has a different work work ethic, different mentality. But it was just like, damn, dude. Like, I just wish people would, like, stop babying the kids so much. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, agree.
2: That, I agree. See? I agree.
0: But sorry to sidetrack so much, man. Hey, go back to the cheat sheet. Where are we at? I'm
2: oh, <laughs> good. We're, game,
0: game
3: seven, Game seven. Josh Beckett.
0: Beckett turned it up, bro. He shut everybody in Chicago up, Wrigley Field. He made them respect his fucking name. He made them respect. The Florida Marlins, bro. Uh freaking the last time I saw the Marlins smoke a cigar at Wrigley Field, coincidentally, <laughs> it was in 2020, baby, when we did it against the Cubs again. And <laughs> you know, that, that uh the shortened season that uh, by God it was a 60 game season. And our and our phrase at the time by uh that was conned by our, our then general manager Mike Hill was why not us? Damn it, why not us, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was time. Like, 60 games, 60 games, anything can freaking happen. And anything did happen, dude. Like, I was so happy to, to see that fighting fish mentality that these guys were really going balls to the wall. Like, they were going hard. You know what I'm saying? Because 60 games is just a straight sprint. There is no room for hiccups. And the guys that did have hiccups helped us get into the playoffs. We got into the playoffs easily i would have been i still would have been satisfied with them to be eliminated on the first round like damn we made it here after 17 years at the time i'm proud of the boys nobody 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 could have told that that we were going to make it to the playoffs in 2020 except me and you could have said oh well alex you're a fucking homer yeah i'm a homer bro i always expect my guys to go ham like if you if you're not a fan of the team then you're watching the tv for what to see them lose Nah, do you always want your team to win so it's like, damn, yeah, I might come into the season thinking, all right, we're not going to be a 500 team. But, damn, it feels good when we eventually do take three out of four from the mighty LA Dodgers, the World Series champions. You know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, we did that against the Dodgers? Imagine we were clicking on all cylinders. You know what I'm saying? So that's the beauty of baseball. You never know what the hell's going to happen. You might see a fucking a pitcher come off the bench and hit a, a home run.
2: What, what was your thoughts going into the World Series? You know, you're playing the the, the big, mighty – you know, the gorilla, the elephant in the room. You're playing, you know, the big bad Yankees. You, you know, are you scared? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you pumped? I'm not
0: proud. I'm not proud to admit what I'm about to tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will never forget that the, the World Series was so good. Game six, the Marlins ended up winning it, right? But it was like I had my Dontrell Willis shirt on, and my dad got me. A black Marlins teal with the teal with the Marlins all across the chest. Yeah. The D train on the back. I got the D. My dad got me the D train one because Miguel cabrero sold out everywhere, right? Heavy Venezuelan population. But De- Donald Willis was in a bad second place. So I was like, hey, rookie of the year, shit, boom, amped up. And my dad was like, hey, the game's going to start. Are you ready? Like before the first game, sorry, I said before the first game of the World Series, I was like, oh, shit. This is crazy. We're about to play the Yankees in New York. Oh, right? Bro, I went upstairs. And when I came back downstairs, I still had my John Trail Wilderness shirt on, but I had a Yankees cap on. <laughs> Get out of here. So my, so my dad was like, hey, what the fuck, man? I was like, hey, man, i, I just room for both teams, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he was, like, was like, no, my was like, nah, 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 fuck that. Fuck that. You got to pick a team and stick to it. I was like, nah, you right. I was like, but damn, they got Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit and Barry Jeter. I was like, I got Jason Giambi, Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams, who's my favorite Yankee on that team. Bernie Williams goes a lot under the radar, bro. Switch cheating yeah, outfielder. Yeah. Fucking Bernie was the man, dog. Oh, yeah. Hey, thank you, Matsui. It was just like, damn, dude, they had a... It was like the only weak spot was Kareem Garcia and Ruben Sierra. Thank God. If not, we would have not won that shit. You know what I'm saying? So, But then I was like, my dad gave me like conversations like, hey, you got to pick a team. You've been rooting for this whole team the whole year. That's disrespectful. You're going to switch hats last minute. And I took that shit to heart. It was like a life lesson. I was like, nah, you know what, dad? You right. Fuck the Yankees. Took that shit off. Took that shit off and like, I was shitting bricks but then Juan Pierre started the game, game one, with a fucking leadoff bunt down the third baseline. And then the Marlins were doing what they always do, They're playing Marlins baseball, small ball. They were playing, uh, slapping the ball around, hitting runs, stealing paces. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, damn, dude, this is why I root for this team. Like, I was so happy. And then I felt some type of way after that game. After, yeah, you know, I had made the decision of like, yeah, I'm rooting for my Marlins and shit. But then the Yankees players started talking shit. I'll I never forget David Wells. Like David Wells was talking shit. Was like, oh, the fish, are, the floundering fish. I fish Marlin. I fish Marlins on my day off. And I remember the New York Post and the New York Times. I don't know who it was, but it was like a picture of David Wells like fishing a Marlin. I was like, this <laughs> asshole. This asshole, really? It's like it's because he's in New York, because we wouldn't do no shit like that here in Miami. And then it's like, I remember we faced David Wells and we took it to him. And it was like, fuck you. Go try to fish the Marlins now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No disrespect to David Wells and all those great Yankee players. But it just, in general, it felt good. You were going against Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey, bro. Don Mattingly, if I'm not mistaken, was his bench coach at the time. Mm-hmm.
2: You know yeah. what I'm saying?
0: So, it was like, damn, look at, what are the odds now? Don, Don Mattingly's our coach now. You know what I'm saying? I was like, damn. Sometimes I'm like, damn, Donnie, Joe would have not done that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah man like it's just in general it, it felt so great to overcome the mighty yankees the the team that's been around longest that anybody can recall that's had the most world series titles in major league history they had the freaking they had babe ruth you know what i'm saying i know the red sox did too but you, you know what i'm saying it's just like in general like mickey Mantle, Lou gehrig all these great names like brother so one place that you go to in anywhere in baseball and it just see mad fucking retired numbers. And over here, the Marlins are still trying to argue to try to retire somebody's number. You know what I'm saying? It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Hey, put up 16 on the rafters, man. Do it Absolutely. for Jose. Put up 19 for Jeff Conan and Mike Lowell. Fuck it, rock out. I'm not saying to do it for number seven, don't, don't do it for Pudge. But damn, show some love to your fan base. Show them, help them remember the guys that made you feel good, that made you fans of the Florida Marlins.
2: Absolutely, yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. Why not? Why not retire Jack's number? Fuck it, Jack, yeah. or put a fucking poster of him smoking a cigar at the front entrance. <laughs>
3: um,
0: is there is there anything from like
3: Game Six or anything from a game in particular that that really comes to mind for you? Wow,
0: man, the World Series. i Pudge picked off. Um, I can't recall. It was Kareem Garcia. Rodriguez at third base. Like I remember listening to Joe Buck and uh what was it? McCarver? Mm-hmm. Tim McCarver. Damn, dude. They got fucking memory Anyway, so it was like they would be talking about the Marlins. I'm like, hey, Juan Pierre's speed is off the charts, and like Juan Pierre would do the punt. You gotta watch out with the guy, and he drops the bunt. Uh you gotta watch out with Luis Castillo, because he'll do a good job, and then boom. JP seals the base. Like he would, everything they'd say, the Marlins would compliment to everything they're saying, like the scouting report, you know. And it just felt great to see these guys doing what the, what the what the whole nation already knew. Like we weren't scared about the mighty Yankees. We didn't care that we were in the the, the 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 Bambino's old house. We didn't care about the the ghost of the Yankees or none of that shit. We were ready. We got past the we got past the freaking the curse of the Billy Goat. We got past the freaking mighty Barry Bond Giants. You know what I'm saying, so. Ain't nobody was going to stop us, you know, and I can recall when Beckett got the ball in game six. Everybody damn knew that shit was going to be over, but worst case scenario that it wasn't over. I still felt good that was going to win it because the guy that was going to take the ball in game seven was going to be Carl Pavano and Carl Pavano. He stayed in 2004 had a career year monster career year with the marlins i think he won like 18 games 18 and 6 or some shit like that 18 and four, something like that and that 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 landed him that glorious contract with the new york yankees which sadly for the yankees he wasn't able to live up to because he got into a car accident and shit, and he was never the same guy and once he left the yankees he went to the to the twins and he was back to his old Carl pavano self yeah. So I was like, damn. Like Carl, Carl, was always one of those guys that like made you feel good because nobody bet nothing against him. Like, like you wouldn't bet the house that Carl Pavano would turn into a decent pitcher when he was with the Montreal Expos. But looking at it now, it's like, how could you not? Like he was in a rotation with guys like Pedro Martinez, guys like Josh Beckett. You know what I'm saying? Guys like Mike Messina, Like you know that these guys are his teammates, and he's got to pick their brain. He's got to talk to them. There's eventually going to come a time and place where you're going to be, yo, Joe. My two seam is not doing it, bro. How you hold your two seam? Oh, this is how I hold my shit. Oh, yeah, try to throw a cutter, bro. I be, oh yeah, you throw cutters. Yeah, try to fuck with that shit a little bit. Boom, boom, boom. How you hold your cutter? You know how many people ask Mariano Rivera how he threw his cutter? Hmm. You can ask anybody you want, but only one person threw that cutter like Mariano Rivera. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so man, I was just in general like I felt good. I felt great. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the, they were the mighty Yankees, but they weren't the mighty Yankees, so to speak. They weren't that 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 juggernaut blockbuster team that was of the past. You know what I'm saying? The following year, they went and got A-Rod. You know what I'm saying? They had Alfonso Soriano. Alfonso Soriano was one of the best second basements I've ever seen, and I don't understand why the hell he's not in the Hall of Fame. Can somebody explain this shit to me right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sorry was like, he had the pop, he had the speed, he had the glove. Like, what the hell did you, oh, he, he's not a Hall of Famer because he got traded from the Yankees to the to the Rangers? If anything, y'all should make him an automatic Hall of Famer, bro. <laughs> like, everybody thought, oh, his number's gonna go down when he went to the Rangers. This is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, if anything, A-Rod should help get him, like, promote his shit, get him into the Hall of Fame because if Alfonso Soriano doesn't, he's not involved in that that trade chip. to go to the Rangers, A-Rod or Aroid, I used to call him back in the day, <laughs> like he would have never made it out to the Yankees for sure. that's being quite frank, you know what I'm saying and and, and what bothered me about Arod was like Arod, everybody liked him because he's from Miami he's from my hometown and shit, like he was a great mariner, like he made he signed the biggest contract of, uh, of all time at the moment with the Rangers, and I thought it was cool, right? But when he started bitching and crying, he was like, "I want to be a Yankee, I want to get out of here like he was going to be a Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the Red Sox called the uh, – what was it? Uh, the Rangers called the Yankees. And they're like, yo, listen, we got this trade for A-Rod. I'm giving you the last look. You want to do some shit? That was some sneaky-ass shit. I'm thank- that was some sneaky-ass I'm ass shit.
3: I'm thankful for that looking back. Not at the top,
0: but looking back. But, <laughs> I mean, like, it was great for baseball in the sense that, like, it made, it made games more interesting between the Red Sox and the Yankees. The rivalry went up a lot more. But it just bugged me that A-Rod was, like – he was bitching. Like, you, you're the most paid player of all time right now. And why the fuck are you bitching? Like, if anything, you should be loyal to this team. Like, John Carlo, like, when he signed that contract with the Marlins, he wasn't like, I'm trying to be out of here. I'm trying to be out of here. He said that after the fact that we sold the team, we got a new owner, and he was like, I'm not trying to be part of a rebuild when they said we're going to do a rebuild. You can understand that. Yeah. If A-Rod, they signed you for 10 years or 13 years or whatever the hell it was, and you're in year two of this shit, and you're like, I'm trying to be out, that's some pussy shit. Yeah, I hear you.
3: All right, so so we'll we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, you kind of already talked about about it, but uh, did you go to the parade? Tell us about the parade and just kind of like general
0: feelings after the World Series there as well, too. Yeah, man. Who who? How could I not miss? I couldn't miss that World Series parade, bro. It started off in Broward, it went down all the way to Miami, downtown Miami. We were in Bayfront Park, Bayside. We saw the Marlins partying, bro. We saw Jeff Conine talking to the to all the fan base. I was in the little auditorium. It was like an exterior auditorium. On, uh, I was I was gonna say on location. That's the filmmakers <laughs> talking. about that. But we were at an <laughs> a, a exterior exterior auditorium right by the sea, and like all the ones were there. And I recall seeing like Juan Pierre dancing and Derek Lee and Miggy and every and all these guys just dancing, busting moves. I don't know how many cigars Jack McKinn smoked that day. He had like four in his mouth at the same time. They motherfuckers <laughs> are crazy. <laughs> so if I know something, I know I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to live life like Jack McKinnon when I get to his age, bro. For real, for real, you know? Um, I remember the, the, that year, 2003, like once the Marlins won the World Series, the city introduced the, the free public trolleys, and the Marlins were the first ones to exhibit the trolley. So in the parade, they were on the trolley waving at the fuckers. Hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nowadays, everybody rides the trolley for free, for the smart ones that like to take public transportation and not pay a dollar. That's the way to go. But um, but yeah, man, seen them in downtown past the courthouse with a trophy in their hands. Ozzie Guillen was even there. Ozzie Guillen was our third base coach back in the in, in the day, and that's why I think everybody from Marlins Nation was so amped up when we when we got him to be a manager in 2012, we were like, damn, Ozzy's the perfect guy. Like, he learned from Jack McKeon, he learned from all, you know what I'm saying? All these great guys. It was like, yo, it makes perfect sense to have Ozzy out here. So, it was just, it was it was something I'll never forget, man, and, and I, I can't wait till the city of Miami sees that once again. Final thing yeah, before yeah. I get out of here, man, I wanted to tell you that everybody that keeps talking shit about the Marlins, that we, all we do is blow up our teams and get trade our players, listen man, the Marlins, all they're trying to do is make Major League Baseball great again.
2: There you go. Oh, yeah. Make it fun. I like it. I'm not, I it. Saying,
0: I'm not saying nobody's phrases. I'm just, you know. Like, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, um, this is Alex Contreras. Let's go fish.
1: <laughs> there you have it. That is the story. And these are the basis stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at thebasesstories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcasts at the Stories Pods on Twitter. As our guests rewrite the past across various sports, alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly.
3: What, but, uh, do you th- what do you think of the uh what is that shit like? Center field, the home run
0: thing. The, it, it was called the Homer sculpture, the home run <laughs> sculpture. It was called Homer, but here in Miami, they uh, they did a little uh a poll, and people were, were able to vote. And uh, the Miami New Times released an article, and it was officially, unofficially named the Tremenda Mierda sculpture, which means the big piece of shit statue. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like, "What the fuck is it? It's just some yeah. shit that's going off, and nobody knew what it was." Yeah, and like, so it's a piece of it art. Was like, yeah, a piece of <laughs> art. That's what Laurie would like to call it. He was a, he was an art dealer. so yeah. he was also He's also from New York, so I think it was just like a, a rip-off, a yeah. spin-off from the Mets' uh, Apple, the John Apple. Apple. But if yeah. we were going to do all that shit, we should have just had like a, a Cuban colada come up every time we had a home run. It's Cuban yeah. coffee for everybody. Yeah. Turn it up at Marlins Park. You know what <laughs> I'm mean? saying? It would have been very Miami. That's what I think we should have done. But what the hell do I know? They As soon as Jeter got in, he relocated that shit outside. He tried to get rid of it, but he put it outside of uh, Lone Depot Park. Yeah. So whenever you go in through the third base side, you'll be able to see it. And Jose made his start against the Giants, and he hit a bomb. He hit a home run. He had a quality outing, and he hit a bomb. When I got back to work, my boss was like, man, I'm glad you went. Motherfucker hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Marlins, Marlins fans... It's been a long time since we sell out the park. Been a yeah. long, long time. I, I I would dare to say that the last time the Marlins sold out was when we had opening night in 2012. You know, uh, even at the All Star game. But the All Star game doesn't really count because it's an All Star game festivity. You expect that shit to sell out.
3: Yeah. But
0: man, Jose had that that special talent to to bring people to the seats. The same effect that Doncho Willis had in 2003. You know what I'm saying? People would be like, "Yo, vamos a ver negrito. Let's go see." You know what I'm saying? Let's go see Don Cheadle Willis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was like, "Yo," you'd have the crazy wind up. You had the enthusiasm, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, but it was like you would always oh, see that smile on his face, and you would just love that. You would love the enthusiasm, the energy. He could swing the stick as well. You know, we I love, love it.
2: it. That's a great ending, man. That's awesome. All right, man. Oh, man,
0: if you guys. Need anything else, man? Hit me up, man. Follow me on Twitter.
3: Yeah, for yeah, have to, to follow you right now.
2: Yeah, I'll do the, the same. Thing. Cool, man. Also, Thanks, all right, guys.
0: Hey, Pat, you—you're you, the first uh, St. Louis Cardinals fan I like. <laughs> <laughs> a pitcher, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's gonna be a point. I think as soon as next year that we're not even gonna see pitchers bat anymore, and it's a shame. And like, it's a shame because I'm a, I'm essentially from the the original essence of the National League baseball, right? Where he knew the pitcher wasn't going to do shit, but if he did something, the crowd was going to roar, whether it was a base hit or he did his job bunting the ball or he hit a home run or a game winner or if he struck out, fuck it. I expected that shit. You know? <laughs> but it was like, now it's like, oh, these guys, they can't swing a bat. Oh, they get hurt. Oh, Like, damn, dude, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the, the, the DH kind of like, it, it brings more offense. It brings more offense to the Major League Baseball in general. And it helped out a team like the Miami Marlins last year by having a DH because we had a guy like Garrett Cooper, a Jesus Aguilar. We have like a surplus of first basements. We have a surplus of outfielders. But if 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 we didn't have that DH, we wouldn't be in the position we were at. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I think I think it's come to a point where like people aren't as passionate about baseball as a Patrick or as a Joe. You know what I'm saying? There's there's sometimes where you'll be like, yo, yo, Pat, you'll be like, yo. I'm gonna invite some friends, some coworkers, or somebody to go see a game, and all of a sudden you might be watching the game. And you might be like, "Shit!" And I'd be like, what the "Fuck!" You know what I'm saying? But it's just because you're a passionate guy, you know a lot about baseball. Like I don't know, I, I'm sure you you can relate to me, bro. I'm sure you started watching baseball at a very at a very small age, started playing sure. it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and especially in St. Louis, St. Louis has to be somewhat like Venezuela. You know what I'm saying? In the sense of like the national sport in Venezuela, the number one sport is baseball. Right. So, yeah. no in St. Louis, all they do is breathe, eat, and live baseball. You know what I'm saying? Especially after the Rams left. Sorry about the Rams leaving and shit. You That's know what all I'm right. Saying, but-
2: it's
0: all good. <laughs> I'm sorry about Pujols leaving too. Damn it. Hey, but I at know. least y'all still y'all still got Yadi. Nah,
2: I know. He'll he'll never
0: he'll never <laughs> and retire. Y- and Yadi Yachty, Yadi's an amazing story, dude. He was he's the is. There's three brothers, Benji, Jose, and Yadi. And Benji was like the okay one because Jose yeah. was like the defensive guy and Yadi was too young to do shit. But then Yadi just like, he was always good defensively, defensively. And then as he got older, he figured it out. And I always thought, like, damn, bro, as a catcher, you got to be able to figure it out offensively, bro. You see the fucking strikes <laughs> over the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, I'm really happy to see Yadi, you know what I'm saying? The career he's had, the, the way that the fan base has embraced him. Shout out to Cardinals fans, even though, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like the only thing that pisses me off when I go to Jupiter to go, go watch a spring training game, the Marlins share a facility <laughs> with the, with the, with the Cardinals. Yep. yeah It's yep. like, you see left field and it says Miami Marlins. And then you see right field says St. Louis Cardinals. And you see the fucking, what is it? It's 18, 18 championships. 11 oh all right so uh, maybe it's the pennants that they got on there yeah
2: yeah yeah probably yeah got every (laughs)
0: single motherfucking pennant there i'm like oh are we in st louis or where the fuck we got? (laughs) that's that that sounds about right yeah